Hello, and welcome to another episode of Balanced Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we're releasing another bonus episode. This is my appearance as a guest on the Fast to Heal Stories podcast, which was released on May 10th. I was interviewed by Shanna Husson, who is a registered dietitian and author of Fast to Heal. If you recognize that name, it is because we have hosted Shanna twice on our podcast, on episodes 183 and more recently on episode 276. We have also hosted Shanna on our sister podcast, which is the How to Make a Podcast podcast on episode 12 of season two, where we had a really interesting discussion about podcasting. And this episode is all about some of the metabolic testing that I had done in my career for over a decade, where we were actually measuring people's metabolic rates, how they were using their calories, both at rest and while they were exercising, and all the lessons that we learned from that. Um, we, we encountered so many people who were really frustrated with their workout program or their diet. They felt like they were working really hard restricting their calories and just not achieving their goals. So hopefully this will be a very helpful and informative interview for you. If you ever have been in that spot where you felt very frustrated, hopefully you can learn a few things to get over that. So make sure you check out uh, Shanna's podcast, the Fast to Hill Stories podcast. It's very, very good. It's always found in the top 100 nutrition podcasts on Apple. Make sure you leave her a rating and review as well and sit back and relax and enjoy this episode. Hey guys, this is Shanna Hassan. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Fast to Heal Stories. We are on to episode 77 already today, and I have a very special guest, Casey Ruff, joining me for a really awesome interview. And in this podcast, if you're just tuning in for the first time, we talk a lot about intermittent fasting and time-restricted eating, but also about how low-carb lifestyles and therapeutic carb restriction can help you not only reverse obesity and restore hormonal balances, but also reverse insulin resistance. And I am crazy about helping people reverse insulin resistance because it is at the root cause of so many lifestyle diseases, so many stubborn weight issues, um, pretty much all pre-diabetes, diabetes, or type 2 diabetes, I should say, metabolic issues, fatty liver, it all stems from metabolic illness and insulin resistance. So just a few announcements as we get into this awesome podcast episode. Let's see. Happy Mother's Day to all of those who celebrated Mother's Day yesterday, myself included. Um, kind of funny. I didn't really see any of my children all all day. I saw my boys a little bit in the morning and that was it. My daughter is just finishing up her first year in college and she spent the weekend with a lot of friends that she won't be seeing much over the summer. And I thought, you know what, go ahead and have fun. That's part of being a mother is recognizing, you know, you got to let your kids do what's best for them sometimes. So she will be home all summer. Very excited about that. So She was with their friends, and then my boys were actually helping their grandparents with um, putting in their dock for the summer. So again, you know, sometimes part of being a mother is just recognizing your kids got to do what they got to do. And so I had a really lovely day with my mom and my sisters and some of my nieces and nephews. Um, and you know, I was actually inspired to want to bring my own mom on the show. So she's going to be coming on in an upcoming episode. Um, she has struggled with her life as long as I have known her. I shouldn't say as long as I have known her, but as long as I remember, she has struggled with her weight. And she's actually, she told me probably about a month ago that she is at the lowest weight that she has been at that she can remember since high school. And um, she's having, you know, she has some, some health struggles, but she's also implemented a lot of what I teach and practicing timed eating and eating in a timed window and really scaling back on carbohydrates and increasing her protein and natural fat to not only keep her um, full throughout the day, but also um, you'll learn this as she comes on the show, but she was diagnosed with fatty liver not too long ago. I have 
mentioned that my dad had a massive heart attack um, two years, almost three years ago, three years this summer. And they both have the same issue. It's just, you know, one has a clogged heart and blood vessels and um, periphery more in the cardiovascular system. And my mom's has now shown up as fatty liver. So um, still working on them, but I do want to bring her on and just, you know, she's, um, how old is she? 69 or 70? Mm, forgive me, mother. I think she's 69. But, um, you know, she struggled with her, her health and weight for a very, very long time. And I know I have, a, I have a lot of listeners in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. And so many of you have done incredible things with your health and really turned your health around. So that is amazing. But um, I feel like she'd be really inspirational. She worked as a registered nurse for over 40 years in the medical field. And as we know, those are some of the most stressful, stressed out people on the planet. So again, I'm not going to spill all of her story. We'll let her do that. Um, but I hope all of you mothers had a fantastic day. Let's see, what do I have going on for announcements? Oh, a fast track. Oh, we are getting closer. My membership program, which is launching June 1st. And I know every week I say I'm so excited for it, but I really am because I feel like this can help so many people with so many people who have accountability and sustainability issues, which can be the hardest part of keeping your health and your weight where you want it is the sustainability and accountability factors. So a lot of people achieve their goals and then they just fall off the wagon because they either have lack of support or they're not checking into somebody. So that's where the membership program is really going to be so helpful. So what it is, is monthly lessons, learning lessons and live Q&A sessions. And there's always going to be healing recipes added, fast to heal recipes added each month, along with some supported optional group fasts. If you feel like you want to do some longer fasts, they'll be, you can do that with a group. They are optional. But the most important thing that I feel that I can offer through the membership program are mini sessions with me, mini coaching sessions that you can sign up, sign up for every single month. They're just going to be 15 minutes sessions that you take quickly out of your day, you know, ask me questions that you have. What are you struggling with? What are your wins? How are you doing? Just sometimes people just need that, that simple check in to stay successful. And then of course you have the community of, of all, you know, the support around the entire community. So I'm very excited to offer that. That will be launching June 1st. You can actually now get on the wait list for that so that you can be the first person to know about the launch. And also when you get on the wait list, which you can do in the show notes, but when you get on the wait list, then I will email you a discount code on May 31st so that when the doors open on June 1st, you have that coupon code ready and waiting for that first month of membership. And you only will get that code if you're on my wait list. So be sure to click on the wait list link in the show notes. You can also go to fasttoheal.info backslash fast track waitlist, and that will get you on the waitlist as well. So either in the show notes or go to fasttoheal.info backslash fast track waitlist, and that will get you that awesome coupon code. So I know you guys are all curious to hear about Casey Ruff. He is host of the Boundless Body Radio Podcast, which I have been a guest on twice, and he's just really an awesome guy. Um, so easy to talk with, as you will hear in that episode, but he specializes in low-carb lifestyles, including ketogenic and carnivore diets, and he's helped thousands of clients over the last 14 years learn how to achieve their best lifestyle through movement, lifestyle management, and proper diet. And he's got a ton of experience as a personal trainer. So we talk about some things in that regard that I didn't know. And I learned a ton in this episode, and I know you will too. So with that, let's bring on Casey. 
Hey, Casey, how are you? So happy to have you on the show. It's an honor to have you here to talk with us. Welcome. Yeah, thank you so much. It's such an honor to be on your show. And it's always great to talk with you. We've loved hosting you in the past. Yeah, it's it is. It's like, I've been on three of your shows before and I thought, hey, let's bring him on. Like he <laughs> interviews so many people and is such a huge wealth of knowledge that I'm like, let's flip it and and pick your brain instead, right? <laughs> well, I don't know about huge wealth of knowledge. Let's let's wait the hour and then we'll find out after maybe. We'll see. No, and while I and what I love about your podcast, the Balanced Body Radio, is that is there's just so many aspects of health and wellness. Like this, we focus a lot on nutrition and intermittent fasting and timed eating. Your podcast, my goodness, you scroll through the episodes like, whoa, there's a little bit of everything in there. So it's a great place to learn. Uh, like everything about wellness. So excited well, yes. to have you here. Well, thank you very much. I think there's pros and cons to each. I, we wanted something <laughs> to be like very general where we could, you know, interview whoever we wanted about whatever we wanted, but it's also really nice to have something that's about your exact topic. And so, yeah, I think pros and cons either way, but it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. That's why we listen to a bunch of podcasts, right. And have a, right. a whole bunch in our arsenal and <laughs> yeah, like totally. you find a new one that you like. like yes. Oh, it's the best. Binge it all. <laughs> yeah, it's like binge listen. It's like finding a really great Netflix series. Like, oh, uh, a new podcast. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> finding Shit's Creek all over again. Yeah, right. And for me, it's Ozark. I'm like, oh, I when I got done, I was so sad. So yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Okay, well, let's get into you and your background. And I know that you were um a personal trainer for many, many years, but Walk us through kind of your health journey and how you got to the point of making a podcast, why you even wanted to do that, and what what brings you here? Yeah, great question. So, um, yeah, I was actually studying architecture in college. I knew I wanted to be an architect, and I decided to do that. And at the same time, a big box gym opened up near me, and I needed a place to kind of train in the off-season for cycling during the winter. And I joined this gym. Um, it was pretty expensive at the time. Um, so we, I just kind of justified, you know, going and getting those workouts in. And while I was there, I ended up getting to watch the personal trainers and how they interacted with their clients. And I just kind of thought like, wow, this is really fun, really engaging what they're doing. Looks like it's not too terribly difficult. I've been fascinated with fitness in the past. Um, and the other thing that was really unique is I started watching the personal trainers use heart rate monitors. And I had always used heart rate monitors and heart rate training and my own training as a cyclist. And so that was something that came very easy and naturally to me. So I decided to walk into the manager's office and ask what it would take to get a job as a trainer. He told me the first online certification that I would need. I hit the books for the next few months and got certified. They gave me a job. And uh, that's kind of what started the personal training. It was interesting too, because right off the bat, since I had that background with the heart rate monitors, I came on staff and was able to help educate some of the other trainers because I knew more about heart rate monitors than any of the other trainers by far. And so to be able to unlock some of that technology and help them use that more effectively with their clients kind of got my foot in the door. And so it was just a, you know, very serendipitous and, and very fortunate that I got into a career, um, you know, that has been able to last 15 years. Yeah. I have to ask with you, you know, architecture and personal training aren't exactly related. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Did you ever finish your architecture degree? No. Or would it, okay. No. No, I never went back to college. Um, as a personal trainer, you pretty much can't count to 12 anyway. I think everybody knows that. And <laughs> as an architect, you kind of need to know how to do math. Um, I remember after taking a two-year break from college, going back, and they put me in a placement test. I, I got placed in math like 950, which is like seventh grade math that I barely passed. <laughs> so, yeah, um, sticking with counting with 12 definitely worked out a lot better. <laughs> well, I think so, you met your calling. So that's right. was all how it was supposed to work out. But yeah, I had never heard that that was originally what you were studying. So yeah, that's right. So I know that you ran some metabolic testing when you first started in the, um, the space of personal training. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like what you did and what you actually measured and you know, how that was helpful to your clients. Totally. So if you have ever used a heart rate monitor, I think most people have like an Apple watch and are familiar with training with heart rate at some, at some level, basically what you're doing is you're using 
very similar to like a speedometer on the car. You know how fast you're going when you can read your heart rate. The problem is most people don't know what the speed limit actually is. Is it residential and I need to drive 25 miles an hour or is it freeway and I can drive 75 miles an hour? And so metabolic testing um, was something that I became interested in very early on. There was a great addition to the heart rate training because what we would do is we would hook people up to a mask that was then connected to a machine and this machine would analyze people's breath or their breathing. And we could do several different tests, but the two main ones were either a test where we had somebody absolutely just at rest. They weren't doing anything. We put them in a dark office normally in the morning. We'd hook them up and tell them just relax in a really comfortable chair for about 20 minutes. And, and with the breathing, the breathing is such an interesting thing to measure because it tells us so much. And one of the big things that breathing tells us is how many calories a person is burning doing different things. So for example, if you're sitting around watching Ozark, your heart rate is probably not super high. There's some intense moments, but for the most well, part- I was going to say, Ozark does kind of jack your heart rate up. <laughs> A little bit, for sure. Um, you know, but but at rest, typically people aren't breathing very hard. It's just a direct correlation with the calories they're burning. If I told you to go run down the street, you would be breathing really, really hard by the time you got there, or at least I would. And that is because I'm burning a lot of calories and a lot of energy to be able to do that particular activity. And so when we put people at rest and we measured this, we would be able to tell people like, okay, your baseline metabolism is let's say 1200 calories in a given day just to be at rest. And we're going to start with that number to help build a nutrition plan for you and tell you about how many calories you need to be eating, or at least give you like a basement of the number of calories that you shouldn't eat less than essentially. And the other thing we're able to do is do that same assessment while people were exercising. So I think a lot of people are familiar with like a VO2 test where you start out at a really easy intensity. We ramp it up over time until the person basically taps out. They can't go any further. And we're measuring the breathing as they are exercising. We're measuring how many calories that the body's burning. And we learned that you know, the harder you work out, the more calories you burn from those workouts. And that definitely showed up in all the data. The, the cool thing about a metabolic cart and really working with a metabolic cart that we had is it, it was able to go one level further where not only was it measuring the total amount of air that somebody was breathing in and out, which tells you again about the calories you're burning, but it was also able to measure the oxygen and the carbon dioxide that was going into the body and how it was being exchanged in the body and expelled in the exhalation. And so what happens is when the body is burning more fat, you are utilizing oxygen better to be able to do that. And you're producing less carbon dioxide as a byproduct. Whereas if you're burning the other fuel source, carbohydrates, your body is starting to work harder and it's starting to produce more and more CO2 as a byproduct of that. And so we could tell like, yeah, you're going to burn more calories if you work out really hard, but those calories don't necessarily come from fat the way that most people think that they should. Um, generally speaking, the harder you work out, the more and more your body's burning carbohydrates and sugar as a fuel source. And we would notice the same thing at the re at resting. You know, when we put somebody in that resting test and we were able to measure, here's your baseline metabolism, but almost more importantly than that, at rest, are you burning a majority of your calories from fat, which I would argue that most people would really want to do. We want to get rid of fat and get it out. Or are you burning sugar when you're just sitting around? And why would that be? And what lifestyle things may be causing that? And so that was what we were doing as far as the metabolic testing. And just over the years, we got a little bit better about learning how nutrition really affected those numbers, because in the beginning, we would just talk about the calories that you burn as kind of the calories in calories out formula. And we would tell people, well, just eat, you know, 250 calories less and work out 250 calories more every single day. And that's 500 calories. You multiply that by seven days. And that's about a pound of fat and blah, blah, blah. And that just would never work. We could never get that to work for people. But when we were able to take it that next level and really understand how people burn fat as a fuel source, that was really the game changer and how we were able to coach people and get them better results. Yeah, that's amazing. So it's the device is the actual device called metabolic cart there. So yeah. So metabolic cart would be like the generic term of okay. the many different brands that are out there that are able to do those same measurements. So some are more for the medical community. Others are more, um, you know, kind of for people recreationally to be able to use. There's lots of different technology that's out currently and many different companies that offer this, but yeah, the metabolic cart would be, it's almost like a basically the computer that sits next to the person, whether either on a treadmill or a bike or whether they're at rest to be able to determine metabolic rate. Okay. So this is something that you could work with a trainer with, but you could also go on your own and, and find a device that would measure the yeah. CO2 output. Okay. 
That's right. Yeah, that's right. You could, there's, there's devices out there. One in particular that I know of is called Lumen and it basically takes uh, two different breaths and analyzes those and tells you during the day, whether you're in more of a fat burning mode or more of a carbohydrate burning mode. And you can use that at different times during the day to assess like, how am I doing after a meal or after a fast or, you know, before or after a workout can be a really interesting tool and it's becoming more and more accessible, which is great. But yeah, other than that, you can go several gyms offer it, personal training studios offer it, different doctors and clinicians, depending on what they're training for. A lot of sports medicine, um, you know, hospitals and clinics would have some type of, of you know, measurement capacity or metabolic card that would work similar. Really interesting. And I've seen the Lumen device and I haven't done a ton of research on it, but it's one of those things that I definitely want to try. And just like you said, test at different times, test with different activity levels, different foods, especially, yeah. um, you know, cu- that coupled with a continuous glucose monitor, I think would give you so much feedback and and so much feedback, look into, you know, what is actually going on in your body? Why are you feeling the way that you are? How are these foods affecting your mood and and your output and your energy levels? And um, so awesome. Well, I knew I was going to learn a lot on this podcast and I already have in like 10 minutes. So (laughs) (laughs) So I'm really curious. I know for me, And I I believe we've talked about this a bit on your podcast when um, you interviewed me, but I used to be a chronic over-exerciser, I would say. Like I did a lot of long distance running. I ran in two marathons and several half marathons. And I was, you know, just like most women, you're kind of a cardio freak, like earlier on, um, in my twenties and thirties. Now I I don't train, I, I do some running, but it's more just because I like to, and I, and I want to do it a couple of days a week, but it's not the intensity that I used to run at. I don't, I actually don't even really put myself in the racing <laughs> environment anymore because I'm just one of those people who has to give it my, own. like, I can't just run just and be like, Oh, the landscape is so beautiful around here. I can do that like training, but in a race situation, I'm just, I can't do that. So I just don't even put myself in that situation <laughs> any longer, but I know I overexercised. I know that for many years I was actually doing more harm than good because you just don't know. And I feel like women especially feel like feel the need to be cardio junkies. And I think the message is getting out more and more how important strength training is, how important it is to not overtax our bodies to the point where we're producing stress hormones and cortisol and, and not giving our bodies proper recovery time. And this is a total rabbit hole side, but you know, my kids have gone through like sporting events from, you know, grade school up through high school and some sports and coaches differ completely but some of them are running these kids ragged, like two a day practices, six days a week practices, um, off training, you know, in the weight room all the time. And it's like, okay, how is it helpful to not let them recover and get the sleep and proper hydration, sleep, everything that they need. And I wish there were more people like you on the, the high school scene. And I, I, I don't know what, what happens at the collegiate level. That's probably <laughs> another whole, whole, whole topic, but Um, just looking at, you know, what you've said and how you use these devices, like how did that change the landscape of personal training for you? Um, and I'm sure it depends on people's goals and where they're at and, you know, everybody's so individual, but, but how do you use that as, you know, a starting point for your clients? I, I just find it so interesting because I think too many people just want to overdo it and they think more is better. Totally. Wow. That's so well said. I couldn't agree more. And I hope that there is a trickle down effect from some of the, you know, major leagues or sports collegiate level that comes down to the high school level, because we see it all the time as well. And we saw it in the gym all the time. And it's, it's for the best reasons. And people are bombarded with this message that you have to work out more and you have to eat less. And that's the only way to be able to get down to a weight that you like. And so we just saw the same patterns over and over again, where People join the gym, women, especially, I'm so glad you mentioned that women, especially tend more towards the cardio, you jump on a treadmill, January 2nd, first Monday in January, we're going to run, run, run on that treadmill. It felt great. There was a puddle of sweat on the ground and I worked out for 45 minutes, but the machine said I burned 400 calories. Like this is awesome. That's great. 
But the pattern that we notice over time is people start to get really tired. The weight loss that happens in the beginning is not just fat loss. They're losing muscle, they're losing water. And that weight loss is slowing down over time, which is really not very motivating. Plus these people are getting so tired and they're running out of willpower. And yeah, you can stick to a diet on Monday. You can stick to it on Tuesday, Wednesday, a little beat up, like let's power through. By Thursday, you can't walk by the break room without poking your head in to see a donut. And by Friday, it's like, screw this, diet's off, we'll start again on Monday. And it just creates this pattern of teaching people exactly what Jason Fung talks about. Like we are blaming victims of really awful advice. And we're turning around and telling people, wow, you're overweight because you couldn't work out enough or you ate too much. You didn't have the willpower. You're deliberately choosing foods that are making you fat. And it's complete nonsense. Nobody questions the advice that we're, we're giving people that's absolutely wrong. We don't want people working out harder. We want them working out smarter. We want to teach them how to be more efficient. And so the thing that I really worry about when I see that pattern, especially in a female, they're going to start doing a lot of cardio. First of all, they're going to be working out in a zone that's really high. So a really good sign is like, how are you breathing? Are you breathing through your mouth? Are you breathing through your nose? Are you able to say a sentence or are you huffing and puffing? Generally the latter. So that workout is going to burn mostly sugar, which means you're not burning hardly any fat at all, which means I know what you're going to crave when you're done. You're going to want sugar for sure. The other thing is since you're working out at such a high intensity is you are burning a lot of calories, which initially is really great. But over time, what that's doing is that's going to start to decrease your resting metabolic rate, the number of calories that we would measure on people when they're just sitting and resting for somebody that was an over-exerciser and couldn't get enough food in their diet, their metabolisms would be several hundred calories lower just to be themselves, just to sit in a chair. We noticed that they felt really cold, especially in their hands and feet. Their energy sucked. Their mood was very dysregulated. We could see menopausal women sometimes in their thirties was not uncommon. Um, lots of autoimmune disorders, like Hashimoto's thyroid issues. I, you name it, the tons of issues that way. And people just wouldn't feel well. And so the argument that we'd have to try to make with people is have you tried a diet and a workout program in the past? Did it work long-term? Usually no. And then what do you want? Would you rather have a good workout where you felt like you got a good sweat in and you really, you know, did a bunch of work in the gym, or do you want real results? And distinguishing those two was really the challenge. But once people saw like, oh, wow, I can go on a walk versus running my brains out. I can go, you know, maybe 10 extra minutes, burn the same amount of calories, but have most of those calories come from fat and not feel terrible. And I can eat a normal amount and feel really good. That's how people ended up getting way better long-term results. Yeah. And they did this, was this by utilizing the devices that you were suggesting or was it more of looking at the things you just mentioned, like how are you breathing or both, or how do people know, like, I, I think I'm in a fat burning zone. I, I think I'm in, you know, ca uh, carbohydrate burning zone. Like how would they know if they wanted to adapt some of these things and um, you know, heart rate, I'm sure that factors into it as well. Yeah. No, that's a really great question. So the data was really good for helping people to get on board. Like, it's not just me telling you that you're burning a lot of sugar. Like, here's the data that we got from this computer that is analyzing carbon dioxide, and it's showing the same thing. But generally speaking, what we would see, and a good way to know if you're over-exercising in particular, doing a lot of cardio, and breathing is a really easy one. Uh, most people should be able to nose breathe while they're doing moderate cardio. Um, one of the things that we would ask people while they were exercising is how they were feeling on a scale of one to 10. One, meaning they're just sitting around and watching Netflix, 10, meaning, you know, they're running away from a bear or something like the hardest they could ever work out. And we found a very direct correlation with a maximal fat burning heart rate um, to be very, very close to when people felt like they were at about a five out of 10 for difficulty. And that lined up really well with, with um, heart rate zone charts that, that, that people like Phil Maffetone would come up with. So his um, heart rate zone ideology is called MAF, maximal effective function for heart rate. Um, and, and basically it's, it's, you take about 180 minus your age to give you a target zone of where you should spend most of your time. And for most people, that's a lot easier of an intensity that they spend a lot of time in, which is why they're doing so much cardio and not really seeing a lot of results. You probably noticed it as well. You do the half Ironman or half marathon, you finish and you see every single body type imaginable. 
big people, small people, all kinds of people. And you think like, wow, these are all the people that have been training hard, exercising for this one event. It's not necessarily that you can lose weight and fat doing that. Right. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. And I think I've mentioned this in other podcast episodes, but both times that, and I didn't, I never had a lot of weight to lose, but there was always like, before I started intermittent fasting and, and lowering my carbon intake, there was always like just three to five pounds that was annoying that would kind of fluctuate. And I would sign up for a race and I'd be like, okay, you know, this, this three to five pounds will be gone by the end, by the time I run this marathon, because holy man, I'm going to be running up to 20 miles at a time. And no, it's like, I almost struggled with my weight more during those periods. And just, you know, when I was at the kind of the height of my, the second marathon that I was training for, I got injured. I was just running way too much, doing way too much of the same thing, same type of exercise, overstressing those same muscles, same ligaments, you know, and it's just, I felt like absolute crap by the time I finished the run. And, um, and I've, and I've been into strength training for a long time too, but I just never put it together. Like I, I didn't really think about the type of fuel that I was burning. You just kind of think, oh, I'm doing longer distances. I've got to be tapping into fat, but some of these people, and like you said, I would, I would run races and think, wow, I can't even believe that this person, you know, I looking at their form and their body shape is able to run 26 miles. It's amazing. Um, and I was never one of those people who did a ton of fueling while I was running. There's people who are basically eating the whole time they're running. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you're not, you know, you're, you're taking in as much fuel as you're burning off. So yeah, it's, it's so interesting. Um, um, so do you, and again, I'm sure it's, it's by an individual basis and we'll move on to, to the nutritional components after this and, and your thoughts on fasting and all of that. But when you bring a client on board, do you, um, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of it depends on where they're starting at, but do you kind of factor in some of the, the higher intensity with lower intensity or, you know, how, how are you kind of um, bringing that all together? That's a great question. I think of high intensity as something that's nice to add, but generally speaking, it's not a place that I start. I think most people have had at least some experience doing high intensity training because they thought they should have. And I I don't mind if people do that as long as it's a little bit limited. I really prefer that people do that in a way that they enjoy. So rather than forcing themselves to do some class that they don't like or doing some workout that they think they should be doing, but they don't enjoy it. um, I would rather have them, you know, run around with their kiddos or play some sport that they really like or do something that's more enjoyable for them. But generally speaking, I think most people out there have already done that and they really need a period of like, let's show you what it's like to have exercise that's not going to kill you. Let's show you how to strength train without injuring yourself so you can do this for the rest of your life. You can do this at age 15 or age 95. Um, and, And then down the line, let's maybe reintroduce some really targeted high intensity cardio as long as it's not going to get people hurt. But I just, I see less and less value of that over time. And it's definitely not from where I start, especially with nutrition. It's the same kind of thing. Like initially when I'm helping somebody with nutrition, I would love more than anything else to get somebody out of the hunger cycle. I don't think most people realize what it feels like to feel really like truly satiated, not just full and they're swinging up and down and they don't know what it's like to go more than two or three hours without needing something, some type of a snack or, you know, chocolate or caffeine or something. And I would just love to feed them anything possible in the beginning to get them out of that hunger cycle and then dial things in as we go. Yeah. And I know for me, I, you know, women's, especially women's health and needs change over time because hormonally they have big changes going on from their twenties or thirties or their forties to their fifties to their sixties and throughout their life cycle. And I just feel like so many women start some sort of exercise program that they start in their twenties and maybe thirties. And they just like keep doing the same thing over and over. And as they get older, you know, their hormones are fluctuating, their, their needs are fluctuating. They think they still need to go to hit class five times a week, (laughs) you know, plus the strength training. And I was like this, like, I would think, well, I walked the dog today, but that's not good. You know, like that's not enough. That's not good enough. I've got to get my heart rate up. So Um, I think we're slowly kind of climbing out of that and seeing that as, as 
we evolve and, and depending on where we at, we are at in our lifespans, um, we don't need to do the same types of exercises at all times in our life and being varied and, and not doing, like you said, like not forcing yourself to a class that you hate because you want to get a good calorie burn. It's like, well, you're stressing yourself out mentally because you hate being there. You know, you're stressed out and then you're working, maybe you're overworking. It's like, what did you get out of that? Totally. Um, so, yeah. So I, I'm glad that there's been some shifts and there's people like you out there who can say, you know what, we let's work on some things that are, are going to make you feel good and actually get you some results. So let's talk about nutrition because I know you have your own personal nutrition has evolved immensely over the last several years. So tell us kind of what, what that was like. So well, if you don't mind, you know, telling us kind of your own nutritional your own person, personal nutrition journey, and then we'll kind of transition into how you guide your clients and um, your clientele from there. Yeah, absolutely. I still need to go back and find this PowerPoint. I don't know exactly where it is, but I remember in like 2005 or 2006, my cycling team had a dietitian come and talk to us and tell us about how to eat as a cyclist. Oh my oh, goodness. No. <laughs> like the rice, the bread, the pasta, all the supplements, when to take them, how to eat every 30 minutes. That's just what you did. Like there, there was no question. This is the only way to fuel yourself. And so I went from eating an extremely high carbohydrate diet, feeling terrible, needing naps, needing snacks, needing to eat between clients all uh, for, you know, for a very, very long time. Once I started competing, I kind of settled out to what my company was talking about mostly, which is kind of, I guess, like a more paleo, you know, kind of a diet where, um, you know, you're, you're really just avoiding processed foods, um, eating a lot of whole foods, which I certainly think is a great way to go for most people. Um, over time, you know, especially with the metabolic testing and learning how people's bodies were burning fat, both at rest and during exercise, we started to learn first about the value of adding fat to people's diets. And in the beginning, it was almost like, there, there is such a thing as a healthy fat. Like what the hell is that? I thought it was just fat. And it's <laughs> like Jerry Seinfeld, like it's fat. It's going to be a me. Um, but, but we learned that there was some value and you could make people be a little bit more full. And so all of a sudden there was, you know, a squished avocado on my ciabatta sandwich and there was olive oil in my salads and all those things kind of made it on. And I started to feel better. I started to be a little bit more full. Um, when we validated this against the metabolic testing, we learned that people are actually increasing their ability to burn fat as a fuel source, because when they were including more of the fats in the diet, they, by nature of it, they were just eating less carbohydrates. They didn't even hardly want them. It wasn't very difficult for somebody to, you know, go quote unquote, low carb. They just kind of did it naturally and felt better for it. And so that was kind of my journey into, you know, where I was with nutrition. When I got into actual nutrition coaching, it was 2017 when I got certified. And it was still a lot of that. It was a lot of teaching people how to do meal plans, how to buy a bunch of ingredients. We would do temporary weight loss contests. Um, that our company would make us do. And when we did them, we would have to give people these packets that were like a hundred pages long of like recipes, these shopping lists that were like pages and pages of all kinds of ingredients. I, I'll never forget one of my clients calling me from a grocery store at like 8 p.m. crying because she couldn't find arrowroot powder. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know where to find that either. I'm so sorry. Like, um, <laughs> And, and people would do these like two and three month weight loss contests and we would have to sign people up for them um, because we were expected to by the company. And, and we just never got people really good results. People would, you know, quit the contest. Um, you know, the more we tried to get people to prepare their food, the more they would just throw away at the end of the week anyway. And, and we didn't see a lot of success with that. And, you know, it was about 2018 that we had somebody do the contest with us. Um, he didn't really want to do the contest. He was also an employee and just was kind of forced to do it. And we talked to him and I listened to his diet and I just said like, dude, you're really hungry all the time. I like, just eat a little bit more fat and see what happens. And he came back in two days and said, yo, like I've lost a pound and a half already. I feel amazing. What is all this keto stuff? And I'm like, well, uh, I've heard of it, but I don't really know. So we started like looking into the low carbohydrate world. And, and from that time, what we did, my wife and I, since we had to run these contests anyway, we were forced to sign people up to them is we would just kind of run our own thing. And anybody who signed up with us, they knew they were going to be doing some form of a lower carbohydrate diet. And we would throw away the hundred pages of all these recipes and all this stuff that they had to go buy. And we would just give them more simple recipes that were more low, low carbohydrate and tell them like, Hey, there's no limit. Eat these as much as you like, find the recipes you love. Don't count calories, really enjoy yourself and see what your family will eat. And we saw tremendous success with people losing lots and lots of fat, maintaining muscle mass, feeling really good. And that's what kind of got me into the low carbohydrate space. It was really for no other reason than it just worked. Like I don't care 
what people eat, whether they eat pasta or salad or steak. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't get commissioned if you eat a salad, <laughs> whatever. Like, go eat whatever you like. And if it makes you feel good, that's great. But I'm going to keep doing what I think is working for my people. And if that means like eat paint chips, if it's working and you feel really great, maybe we'll try that. It was just about being pragmatic and helping people get really good results. Yeah. And so how did you, so you started low carb. How did you, did you change, did you notice changes in your own energy and um, you know, how, how did that change your own personal lifestyle and how you went about oh, God. energy and, and just feeling feeling. <laughs> Energy, energy, energy. It's like, it, it's like you have this internal battery of stored fat and most people cannot plug your life energy into that battery. You are reliant on food for your energy. So you must eat every few hours. And to be able to go from that to all of a sudden accessing all of these calories that I'd been storing up for a long time, like you, like I was never like super overweight, but there was five, 10 pounds that I could have lost in any given time. To know that your body can run off of the stored fat really for a very long time, it's just amazing. The energy was the first thing for sure. Like just feeling good, feeling not hungry in the morning, having a bit of coffee, not needing snacks, taking a few meals a day of things that I really love, not, not limiting myself for calories or anything like that was absolutely incredible. I was done competing for cycling at that time, but my cycling improved immensely. I can go out and do rides, you know, two, three, four hours and not need to bring snacks or a bottle of any kind Like you just go, you just go enjoy your life. Those are the things that I noticed right off the bat. And the striking thing was not only did I notice that for me, but it was like, I, I, I wanted to make it not work. I want to find out who would this not work for because this can't be the snake oil that's been under our noses for all this long and i i have to say like most people who did it and gave it a fair try they got really great results and a lot of surprising things along the way like maybe their skin was a little better maybe they um you know don't have anxiety anymore maybe they were able to gain muscle for the first time so yeah it was just it was amazing but yeah i'm glad you mentioned energy that was definitely the first thing for me yeah and i would say the same thing for my clients i would say 90% of them come to me and looking for help because they want to lose weight or change their body composition and then once they implement therapeutic carb restriction, along with some timed eating, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm sleeping better. My energy feel like I just feel better. Um, I don't have to take snacks with me anymore. I'm getting food freedom. Yeah. Like you said, my skin's improving. My bloating has gone away. And sometimes they even forget that they've healed in a certain way until they regress or until they start to go back to their old habits. And they're like, Oh shoot. And I'm like, my knees are, my knees hurt. Like I forgot, I forgot that I didn't have that for three months. And now I've been non-compliant and, you know, and now I remember how awful it feels. So I think that that is, I love your battery analogy and just all that extra fat is there. And a lot of people have, you know, some people have hundreds of, you know, extra pounds, but they can't access it. And that is sadly, it's just so sad. It's like, and it's really not that hard. It's like once it clicks and you're like, Oh, this is how I do this. And it's really simple strategies to implement. You know, it's just, it's criminal that not everybody knows how the feeling systems work and how professionals, how, you know, dietitians, <laughs> Fit pros, doctors, they are not educated on this. And I was even, you know, even um, gynecologists, they're not even trained both with sex hormones. They're more like a surgeon than an actual doctor who knows about hormones. So um, it is, it's crazy. And, and just, you know, getting the knowledge base there um, is so, so key. But um, so now, like, what is a typical day of nutrition for you? And then, um, tell us about how, you know, like where, where to start somebody, you know, um, we'll talk a little bit about like low carb and that's basically what I teach and what I, I start people with, but some people need to move a little bit further down the road, more of a ketogenic diet. That's a little bit more healing. And some may need to go as far as like a carnivore meat-based diet. And there's a time and place for all of those, but yeah, tell us a little bit about where you're at nutritionally, what a, you know, a day in the life of Casey's plate looks like, <laughs> and then how you kind of know, like, where do you start different clients nutritionally? 
Sure. No, that's a great question. Uh, part of that was me coming across the carnivore diet. It was sometime in 2018 that I decided like whatever, whatever this low carb stuff is, I, I, I don't, I, I'm going to dedicate my life to learn about this stuff. This is so much fun and so enriching. I, there's no more music in the car. It's only podcasts and books. And they, yeah. I'm just going to know this. I, I'm not going to know anything else. I'm not going back to architecture. I just want to get this down as best as I can. And through that, um, you know, dedicating a lot of my time to that, I started to come across, you know, the carnivore diet. And it was Sean Baker, Dr. Sean Baker, who did an appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast. And this doctor is in his 50s and he's doing PRs in the deadlift, lifting like a maniac at age 50. And he's a doctor, but he's only eating ribeyes. And and I turned that episode off halfway through because I said, this is absolutely preposterous. I've never heard of anything like this. This is absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, since I, I've become a carnivore myself, but also hosted him on the show and told him like, Hey man, I'm sorry. I still haven't listened to that episode. <laughs> I need to. Um, but yeah, um, I, I, I started to be familiar with this idea of these people that were really only eating meat and they were feeling really amazing. And everything that they gained with low carb or keto even got like up leveled even a little bit more. And so it was April of 2019. I just decided like, what the heck? Like I'll, I'll try it for 30 days. Most people recommend just trying it for a month or so and just see how you feel. Um, stocked up at Costco, the horrified cashier gave me this look of like, oh my goodness, like, what are you doing? I was like, don't worry. There's shrimp in there. There's a lemon in the shrimp. Like it's okay. Um, and um, that's what started carnivore. And I have to say the first things that I noticed were my mental clarity went from really good to absolutely beyond anything I've ever experienced. And I would say my spirituality and my gratitude and my response to stress were so much different. Um, I remember early on, we, we had somebody buy a lot of personal training sessions from us and due to their life circumstances, they end up canceling, which means it's a refund and I lose a bunch of money that I would have gotten for training this person. And I just remember thinking like, yeah, no, that's great. Let's get your money back. And we're always here if you need it. And I remember in the past that would have set me off and I would have had a terrible day or week or whatever, but I could just respond to stress a lot better. And so May 1st rolled around and I just continued doing it. And that was three years ago, this past April. And I've been able to stay on a primarily carnivore diet since. Um, it's been really great. A day in the life for me is I might, um, you know, have a bit of coffee in the morning. I don't always have it. Sometimes I do typically I'll have a black, um, you know, I'm not normally hungry in the morning. So my first meal might be around noon, maybe a little later around two. If I have to fast until later in the day, that's not a problem either, but I'll typically have a few eggs. Um, I do quite a few eggs, seven to 10 eggs when I have them. Um, I will sometimes do something like a chicken breast or something in the afternoon if I want a little bit more protein. And then at night, it really just depends on what sounds good. We always try to keep two or three different protein options available. So whether it's, you know, like a chuck roast I made the night before, maybe I want to do meatballs or burger patties, something like that. You can kind of mix and match even things as simple as like a rotisserie chicken from the store is absolutely delicious. And so, yeah, we just keep it really simple and we, we eat a, a vast majority, if not all of our calories from animal products. Um, where I start with that for my clients, it really depends on them. So just because I'm doing a carnivore diet and I really love it and I hopefully understand a bit about it, that doesn't mean I'm the one like shouting on the corner of the street to tell everybody to, you know, throw their carrots away or whatever. People can do whatever they want. It's totally fine. We're just here to help them if they want to go on that journey and we can give them advice over time. And again, my number one priority is to get people away from being hungry. Like really like, let's get you a nice omelet. Let's have a bit of bacon. Maybe it's a steak that you're just eating it and it tastes so good. And you get to this point where you can't even put another bite in your mouth. See what happens. See what the rest of the night is like. Do you want dessert? Do you think about food the next day or did you go like this alarming amount of time without thinking about food? And now you're achieving the food freedom that you were talking about. And now you're fasting without even really knowing it. It's just so natural and simple. And that to me is like the gold standard. Once somebody gets there, I know they're going to get tremendous results and they're going to feel amazing. I know. And so many people look at a meat-based diet or carnivore diet, however you want to look at it as so extreme, but it's like, these are the most nourishing foods that our bodies can take up and utilize and assimilate and build with. Let's just try it. And I, I, I take the same approach as you would. It's like, I start everybody. I, I really believe that everybody should be a hundred grams of carb or less. Like there's even extreme athletes, people working out. It's like, Agreed. you don't need that amount of 
carbohydrate. Like we have different energy sources. Um, and every once in a while, uh, you know, I, I probably go above that. I don't count or anything. If I start to get a little bloated or feel a little off, I'll do carnivore for like two or three days as a reset. And it's like right away. I'm like that bloating's gone. Um, and I would definitely, if I was going through some sort of health crisis or, you know, I was starting to develop symptoms that aren't typical for me, I would definitely do a meat-based diet as kind of my first line of healing, just to take out of the equation, anything that nutritionally your body's reacting to. Cause if you have symptoms, your body's screaming at you for something. And it's funny. I just had our, my mother-in-law just stayed here last night and she's having pain issues that she's never dealt with in her life. She's a very active, um, she's 73 and trying to get to the the bottom of it. And, you know, as she was leaving, she's like, Oh, my body just hates me. I'm like, no, your body is telling you something is off. We just need to figure out what it is. It's not just like, you know, <laughs> going wonky for no, there is something that is causing the inflammation and the pain. We just need to figure out what it is. And that guesswork is really challenging sometimes, but yes, like, like I said, that would be my first defense line of defense and just trying to heal something is going to the meat-based diet. And as a dietitian, I mean, fasting was absolutely impossible to understand when I first heard it. Like you, I'd hear it on podcasts and I'd be like, Oh, I just, I'd want to turn the podcast off and think, I don't know how this can be healthy. And then it's like people started talking about meat-based diet. And of course that goes against everything that I was trained as, as a conventional dietitian. But when I meet with clients and they're very ill, we always talk about that. Like if, if you have three autoimmune issues, there's so much inflammation going on in, in your body and your body's reacting to so many different things. Let's at least pull the, new, the, the things out that we can control that are going in that might, you might be reacting to. Um, so I think people are becoming a little bit more open to it. Um, but we definitely have, you know, the, the conventional recommendations working against us. And like you totally. said, you, go, you check out as, as a, um, you know, you check out at any grocery store with a pile of meat and people are just like, really, you don't blink an eye on the donuts and the pop tarts and the nasty right. cereals. It's like, that's Oh, right. that's normal. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And that's not even to say anything about what we would consider really healthy plant foods. And the thing to understand that I really appreciated, we had a guest, Dr. Bill Schindler on our, on our show who wrote the book, eat like a human. And he acknowledged that, yes, we are omnivores. We can eat plants, we can eat animals, but that we are very poorly designed as humans to really eat any of the foods that we eat. We don't look exactly like carnivores, although our digestive system definitely does. And the stomach acidity lines up even more with scavengers than it does carnivores, very acidic. But we also don't look like herbivores. And the thing that makes humans really unique is our ability to process our calories outside of the body. We can cook our foods and unlock so many of the nutrients by doing that because we can control fire and we can use tools. And that's what changed us as a species. It gave us big brains and narrow hips and changed our digestive tracts and, and it really enabled us to be on two feet and to look around and to see what's going on and do hunting and not need to be eating all the time or as humans really good at fasting. And, you know, we, we look at these plant foods and we just kind of automatically assume that they're just there for our use. It's almost a little bit entitled that the plants are just giving us all this food all the time when every plant has some level of toxicity in it. And it's not always a problem for everybody, but if you think like animal or plants want to do the exact same thing that animals do, they want to take over the world. They protect the parts of the plants that, that will kill their offspring. You know, the seeds, the stalks, the leaves, they have a lot of chemicals because they can't, they can't bite us. They don't have teeth. They can't run away. They need to fight against insects and small rodents and animals to keep them from eating too much of them so that it's not benefiting, benefiting the plant anymore. And sure enough, we get a lot of people who build up over the course of many years. Maybe their joints hurt. Maybe their gut is feeling really terrible every day. Maybe their skin is bad and they've got eczema and, and all of these things. And they can be coming from plant chemicals that have built up over time. And I really cringe when I hear people, you know, juicing, you know, smoothies, spinach smoothies and all the almond milk and, you know, certain beans and, you know, sweet potatoes and all these things that are high in chemicals like oxalates and lectins and all these phytochemicals are not necessarily great for a lot of people if you can't detox them out. And I think what you said was such a great point. Carnivore can just be a really nice reset. It's not like you have to do this forever. 
But if you're feeling a little weird and feeling a little bloated, let's see if we can eliminate some of those foods. Let's give you the absolute safest foods that we know has all the nutrition you need. Try it for a while. Introduce more foods in. If it's a problem, you should probably not eat them. If it's not a problem, then great. Enjoy it. Yeah. I think the biggest challenge with a meat-based diet is just getting somebody to mentally wrap their head around it and say, okay, like it's okay to eat meat and protein. It's okay to have saturated fat. Like this is not going to kill me. This is not going to give me a heart attack. This is not going to increase my cholesterol overnight. Once they realize it's not the meats, it's not the saturated fat, it's the sugar, it's the processing, it's the additives, it's everything that's put into our crappy food system right now that you are reacting to, then then they're they're a lot more likely to embrace it. But sometimes you just got to get to your breaking point of being so ill that you're willing to try anything and everything. And I always tell my clients, like this serves as the ultimate elimination diet. Like we could try to figure out your food sensitivities. You could go get tested and maybe there, there'd be some accuracy to that. Maybe not. Maybe that would change over the next two to three months, but <clears throat> let's just take all the guesswork out of it and make it the easiest way possible because there are so many things that you can be reacting to. So yeah, so let's reset you, do a 30 days of meat-based carnivore diet, and then just add in, you know, if you want to, and sometimes people feel so well, like you, you know, like they feel so well, they don't want to go back. Like their mental illness that they had, their anxiety is better. All of these things that they had no idea what that were gut disruptions that were manifesting themselves as these crazy symptoms, they're like, no way. <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm riding this out as much, as long as possible. And then one of the most important things that you have mentioned is just cravings go away. The hunger goes away. You're not thinking about food. That is so huge for so many people. I can't tell you how many direct messages and emails I get, like, please help me. I'm out of control. I, I can't, I'm a sugar addict please help me. Like they're so desperate and you just want to cry because you know, it's the food system. Um, so let's circle back one more question. And then, then I, I would love to tell people where they can work with you because your knowledge base around not only activity exercise, but also nutrition, um, is very vast, but I know you mentioned a couple of times, like one of your biggest priorities is is getting people so they're not hungry, getting them out of that sugar craving cycle. Like, how do you about, go about doing that? Um, you know, what are your your top strategies? I know you probably already mentioned some of those, but but you know, how do you get people out of that cycle? Because I know people are like, oh my gosh, I, I gotta <laughs> I gotta listen to this right now. That's them. Like, they're so addicted to carbs and sugar. Yeah, I love everything you just said, and I think such a key takeaway there is as a as a health coach, as a carnivore coach, our main goal, honestly, like what I do mostly, is giving people permission. I'm so glad you brought that up. And so we would start honestly with people giving them permission to eat salty, fatty meat, especially red meat, as like the foundation. Find some red meat you really enjoy. Don't worry so much about the quality. It's important, probably not as important as we've been telling people for all these years and, and, and make things that you love. See how good salt can taste on things. Yes. Try a brisket or a ribeye if you can afford it, or just ground beef and make burger patties. Find the things that taste really good to you and give yourself permission to eat them until you're really truly satiated. And I think that's the, the horror that most people have is when I tell them like, go have a 12 ounce steak or whatever. They're like, oh my goodness, like look at all the calories and protein and there's so much fat but they don't realize that this one meal is going to kill all of the cravings for hours and hours and hours, any snacks and you know, whatever is probably going to be containing a lot of sugar and it's going to be stimulating insulin. And now you're on that roller coaster ride of blood sugar. Like let's get off of that completely. And, and by starting with proteins and fats together, I think that's the absolute best way for people to start use things that you like. If it's chicken, try chicken thighs versus the chicken breast. If you're doing sirloin, maybe try one of those fattier cuts and see how that tastes. Be really liberal with salt. Make sure you're using plenty of salt on food, not something really to fear unless you have some very serious blood sugar issues. Really salt your food and see how that tastes and see how that really makes you feel satiated. You know, maybe for some people that could be fish, that could be eggs. There's lots of different things that people could use. I do think that red meat is best for most people, but um, just start with, where you, with, with what you are and really focus on that and eat that first and then just see how you feel. Chances are you're going to be feeling a lot less hungry and those cravings, it, it, 
it's like you said, it's it, when you're used to battling those cravings and trying to out willpower those cravings, it's a, it's a losing battle. You're going to lose that when you just don't think about it anymore. You almost take it for granted. Like the ability to walk by a bakery or through a grocery store and pass all the delicious looking foods that are screaming at you saying they're super healthy. You, they don't even tempt you anymore. You just go to where, you know, your food is and just eat those things. And it might be restrictive as far as like the number of things you are eating, but you're eating so much of those things. It's not restrictive at all. It's amazing. You, you just have as much as you like. It's great. So that's right. where I would start. Right. And I like to think of it as simplifying things rather than being restrictive. And to me, it's like when you've taken all of that food out of the equation and you're left with simplifying just food, just meat, you know, and maybe sometimes people can do a little bit of dairy or like you said, the so a little bit of plant food that is a, a lot less harmful than other plant foods. But yeah, no, if you're really sick and you want to, <laughs> you want to get better, like just go all in meat-based at least for a while and then start to play around with some things, but it's simplifying. And that's where we haven't even talked about fasting, but like fasting simplifies things. And like you said, this podcast, we talk a lot about intermittent fasting, but if you're balancing those meals correctly and you're, you're eating protein and fat at your meals, maybe a little bit of fiber, if you tolerate it, you just don't think about food and you're naturally fasting. Naturally um, fasting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so from day to day, does your schedule, I know, um, like, do you do, do you deliberately have like an eating window per se, or do you just kind of go off of whatever you're feeling like? Yeah, I don't per se. That's another really good question. Most carnivores end up some somewhere naturally between eating one and two meals a day. Yeah. They, that's just what they do. And so it, it's funny. You're right. Like we haven't talked a ton about fasting, but it's almost like if I can get people down this path, they'll be fasting anyway. It'll just be a byproduct and they feel amazing. Um, I've recently added more meals in because I'm, I'm trying to build a little bit more muscle. And I think you can definitely take fasting a little bit too far when you're on a carnivore yeah. diet it is challenging to make sure you're getting adequate amounts of protein and adequate nutrients when you're only eating once a day. Um, but that said, um, yeah, I, I, I think that, that most people would just end up fasting naturally when they're eating those foods that are feeling really great. And then they get all those side benefits without it feeling like this is a miserable thing. I got to start fasting, which most people like if you're eating standard American diet, it's going to be really tough. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And that's why I see you and you probably see it with your clients. A lot of them just naturally transition. It's like, let's do low carb first. Let's get you down to a place where you're starting to burn some different fuel. You're like, you're not just reliant on carbs all the time. Let's do that first. And then if we need to go more ketogenic, like 50 or under, we can go there. But yeah, once you get in, into, you know, that kind of look for your diet, like 50 grams of carb under, and, and then maybe even transitioning to meat-based carnivore. It's like, you don't even have to think about fasting as intermittent fasting. You don't even have to have like, oh my gosh, my window. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like I can only have a four or six hour window. It's like, I know, like I had a really big lunch today and I'm like, I, I probably like in my head, I'm like, I, I know I'm not going to need to eat dinner. Cause I just like a, there was a lot of fat on, not a lot, but like a, a high amount of fat and a high Adequate. amount of protein and some fire. I mean, I'm like, I, I know that this is going to hold me. Or if I do eat dinner, like if I feel like I should eat dinner, it, it's not going to be this amount of food. Like there's no way uh, I would plug my body again with this amount of food because it's just, I, I'm not going to be needing it. Um, food freedom. Food yes, freedom is wonderful. It's amazing. Oh. It's amazing. Um, so it's, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show today. I'm glad we got, you know, kind of deep dive into the, the metabolic, um, the, how to, how to measure the, the carbon dioxide and all of, you know, like that is something that we definitely haven't ever talked about on the podcast and how to transition it into nutrition. I'm sure people are curious if you're taking clients, if they can work with you, what does that look like for you? And tell us where, you know, if we can work with you and, and where we can find you. Yeah, of course. So uh, when the pandemic hit, we lost our jobs at the gym that we were working at and we started our own company, which is Boundless Body. Um, so they can just go to our website, which is called myboundlessbody.com. One of the first things you'll see there is a book now button. 
And we offer complimentary sessions. We offer 30 minute complimentary sessions for anybody. They can talk to us about anything. Anybody can contact us and discuss their fasting programs or, you know, what things they can incorporate in their diet. Maybe you've got questions about, um, you know, your workout programs or lifestyle factors like stress, sleep, whatever. We're open to talking to anybody. We can also set up what's called a functional movement screening, which basically we do virtually through Zoom where we can watch people go through a series of different movements to help them identify different like joint stability issues or muscle imbalances so they know how to structure their training program a little bit better and make sure that they stay healthy and are moving well and functionally for the rest of their lives. That's a really fun service. We offer that complimentary as well. Um, and then also on that, the website, myboundlessbody.com, you'll see the podcast link and that's where you'll find Boundless Body Radio. We currently do releases every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, we do try to cover lots of different topics. Um, you know, all the listeners can go back and listen to the two episodes we did with you, which are both phenomenal, uh, very highly downloaded and really interesting and can learn a lot. So that, that's the best place to go is our website, which again is myboundlessbody.com. All right. Perfect. Um, I know that COVID really was a junkie time for <laughs> very stressful, but there are silver linings that came out of it. So I might just take you up on that functional movement screening myself. Please do. Please do. <laughs> what a great, those are some really great services. So I'm so glad we had you on and we can learn all of this about your website, your services. Please go listen to Boundless Body, Boundless Body Radio if you're needing another podcast to to start binge listening to. There's so many. I don't know how you get three episodes out because <laughs> keeping up on one episode a week, I'm like, ah. So I commend you on, on doing that. We learned a ton from you. So glad that you, to have you here. We will link all of your services and everything, your um, website and everything down below. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you, Shannon. It's always a pleasure. Thanks everyone for joining me for another episode. Please remember that this podcast does not take the place of professional medical advice. So please contact your doctor or practitioner who knows you best before you implement any of these strategies. We hope to see you back here next Tuesday for another episode. Thanks for listening today. Please be sure to visit www.fasttoheal.info for all my resources, courses, downloads, and free guides, you can visit fasttoheal.info backslash free guides to get started with the Fast to Heal lifestyle and the Fast to Heal book, which explains my five-step process, is available on Amazon as a paperback and also on my website as a download. So thanks again, everyone. See you back here next Tuesday. So thanks again for listening to this bonus episode of my appearance on the Fast to Heal Stories podcast. As we said in the introduction, make sure you take the time to go check out the Fast to Heal Stories podcast and make sure you leave Shanna a rating and review on Apple so that more people can find her and find her amazing content. She does pro provide a ton of information for free, which is really great. Also, if you're enjoying our show, be sure to do the same for us. It only really takes a minute to go over to Apple, leave us a rating and review so that more people can find our show and be helped by this information. With that said, thank you again for listening to Boundless Body Radio.